What's up, everybody? Edwin Pores, Doctor of Physical Therapy, Medical Analyst at FantasyPoints.com, at FBInjuryDoc on Twitter. Thanks for listening again. Today we're going to cover what went wrong in the analysis with Debo Samuel, what went wrong in the analysis with Miles Sanders, what's going on with Mike Evans, Kenny Galladay, and a few others that we'll touch on. So let's get to it. My job as an injury analyst is extremely interesting. My job is basically to read reports, trust reports, use the information that I have available to me from as a medical with a medical background, and then convey it to you in a way that is easy to understand and digestible and actionable. Uh, there, there's a lot of trust that goes into uh, that analysis when it comes to reporters reporting specific injuries and, and a lot of assumptions that are made. So the reason I want to talk about my process today and just touch on that in the first place is because I feel like since I whiffed on Debo Samuel and I whiffed on Miles Sanders that I owe you guys an explanation and I want to talk about my process. So very quickly, the Debo Samuel issue, right? So breaks his uh, fifth met, fifth metatarsal, Jones fracture in the foot. We get a report from whoever it was saying that it was Jones fracture. We run under that operation. We look at the literature and we say, okay, it looks like 10 weeks is when it's safe for him to start ramping up again. So for Debo Samuel, that would have been August 27th. And we did see all of the reports of that's when he basically started to ramp up. He started running more. He started doing straight line running, sprinting. Um, he was doing barefoot cutting. He was doing all the stuff that he needed to be doing in his recovery and his rehab. And then you slowly saw the metamorphosis of Kyle Shanahan going from there's no way he's back by week one. We'll see about him being back by week one and saying, and then finally saying last week, Kyle Shanahan did, hopefully we have him back by week one. Obviously now he goes on the IR today and it was a punch to the gut for the Debo Samuel truthers like myself. Uh, as I saw him progressing through this rehab, I had one specific study in mind. Um, the specific study looked at NFL players with Jones fractures and essentially said, listen, the refracture rate after 10 weeks goes down by about 20%. I think the refracture rate is less than 10% after they hit that 10 week mark. And like I said, for Debo Samuel, that would have been August 27th. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, 10 to 12 weeks, 12 to 14 at most, definitely not 16. I, I, I still stand by he was never going to go on the R pup. And I think that the rules this year made it so that was never going to be the case. He was never going to be back in week seven. That was never going to be the case. Um, but he did go on the short-term IR, which is which is just three weeks, which means he won't be back until week four at the earliest. But the moral of the story is that the reports were saying he was making progress in his rehab. The coaches and the GMs were saying he was making progress and hopefully he can be back by week one. It seemed like even just this Friday, he would actually be back, if not week one, week two, when Kyle Han Shanahan said this, and this is from 49erswebzone.com. I haven't gotten an update from the trainers yet but I'm really hoping they're going to get out and practice today. I know we got Ayuk out there yesterday and he looked good. Debo wasn't able to get out there yesterday, but the goal is to try to get him out today. And that was published, like I said, just on Friday by David Bonilla at 49er, 49erswebzone.com. So all the, the bread trail crumbs, the preponderance of evidence really showed that there was a chance that Debo Samuel was legitimately going to be back in time for week one. Looking back at the process, um, it really, I, I think I was just got too excited about him. I think that my inherent biases 
took over. But the, what I'm trying to get across is that all of all of the clues and the hints that we can use as injury analysis and uh, as injury analysts were there that Debo Samuel would be back, regardless of what the average timelines were, regardless of what is going on around and extenuating circumstances. This is all limited evidence, of course. Like we, we don't have the actual thing going on. But the fact that the GMs were talking him up, the fact that Shanahan was asking him if he, or wondering if he could actually be at practice, the fact that the 49ers wide receivers are dropping like flies, all of that evidence really pointed in the direction that Debo Samuel was going to be active in week one. Now, here's where the, the limited amount of information that injury analysts have available came to bite me in the butt, right? I don't know what the CT scans look like. I don't know what the surgeons are thinking. I don't know how Debo Samuel feels. I don't know what the history of, of his specific foot and ankle are. I don't know a lot of things that eventually led the 49ers to put him on the short-term, well, not short-term, just IR, for three weeks. The most fatal, the, the fatal mistake that I made was assuming that I knew what the 49ers would do. I'm assuming that the 49ers would would uh, follow the same information that I have, which which is is ridiculous, right? I, sh- I shouldn't have done that. So moral of the story is Debo Samuel's on the IR. He can't be back until week four. I stand by the fact that he was never going to be out for 18 weeks or whatever it was. Um, but he is out. I was wrong. Um, I'm learning every day, trying to get better. I put in uh, all my brain power into everything that I do every day. So hope you for- you can forgive me there. Speaking of rational coaching and rational decision-making, let's talk about Miles Sanders, right? Here's another guy that, based on reports from Adam Kaplan, based on reports coming out from the beat writers, based on what it appeared, and most importantly, when it comes to my job, based on the fact that the average return to play time for hamstring injuries is about two weeks, all of that information lent itself to, to indicate that Miles Sanders would be ready by week one. Now, why does that two-week mark for hamstring strains matter? Because on Sunday, it'll be three weeks and four days since it was reported that Miles Sanders had a hamstring strain. I mean, close to a month. Very rarely do you know grade one, grade two hamstring strains last an entire month. But when you look at the Eagles, when you look at the injury problems they've had, when you look at the approach that they're trying to take, when you consider the fact that Deshaun Jackson tried coming back too early from a groin injury last year, when you look at the preponderance of evidence now, in hindsight, it's it, you can see why. Um, I mean, even I mean, the Eagles traveling to Washington. I don't think that they assume that they're going to have a very hard time beating Washington without Miles Sanders. I mean, all of the big picture things. Knowing that also, also knowing that they want to feed uh, Miles Sanders this year because they've said that they're going to knowing they want them in top tip, you know, tip top shape, all of those things, all of that evidence really shows that there was no reason for Miles Sanders to be inactive this week, but lo and behold, he's not even traveling with the team. So that's why I said uh, earlier today when I tweeted that the reason Adam Schefter is on the ultimate injury list, by the way, go ahead and search the ultimate FF injury list where you can find the best injury analysts in the game along with um, Schefter and I think another reporter, I don't remember. Uh, Go ahead and find that on Twitter. But the reason that Schefter is on the ultimate injury list on Twitter that I created is because any injury analysis from afar is by and far superseded almost every single time 
by a person who has inside information. If I view a video and it looks like X, but Adam Schefter says from his sources that it is actually Y, I'm probably going to go with what Adam Schefter says because I don't have inside information. I am going about this almost flying blind, um, for lack of a better metaphor. So it's important to follow beat reporters. It's important to follow people like Adam Schefter. And even I, as an injury analyst, will concede to things that Schefter says. So it's important to follow those guys. And with Miles Sanders, all of the reports indicated that he was going to be fine. And when you consider, like I said, the timeline of his injury and the specific injury that he had and the idea that he's the lead back and the idea that they were going to cruise on Sunday, I mean, you would think that this would be a good game to not not necessarily sit him, but at, I, I thought he would at least get a limited workload, and it turns out they went 100% in that direction and just completely sat him. So again, mea culpa, that's my process. Really, you can boil it down to I... Look at a situation, I hear reports, I assimilate those reports with what the medical literature says. If there's no medical literature, I try my best to apply clinical observations and what I think is going on, and then go from there. But reports are are everything. And if the reports that I am getting um, lead me in a certain direction, I need to be better about laying out the full range of outcomes. And apparently, obviously, evidently, the full range of outcomes was Miles Sanders sits in a week one. And I didn't present that. So again, I apologize to you. I hope you're still sticking with me. I promise that I'm going to learn from this and keep going, keep chugging along. Another player that I wrote about at fantasypoints.com on my injury report is Mike Evans. Uh, Mike Evans is finicky this year, and he's been dealing with his hamstring injury since camp, apparently. And because he's been dealing with this hamstring injury, Bruce Arians has been wishy-washy on his status. So we don't know what's going on because he went from doubtful yesterday, Mike Evans did, to questionable today. And the bottom line that we know about hamstring injuries, and I said this in the, in the, in the full text article you can read at fantasypoints.com. So the thing that we know about these hamstring injuries is that when players come back from them within the first week, they, they actually have a decrease in fantasy points, um, a decrease in production in fantasy points. It's a small sample that I did, a study that looked at wide receivers coming off the first week back from a hamstring injury. And essentially what we found, what I found, is that there is about a 10 to 12% drop-off in that first week back. So that makes sense. I know it's, it's a small sample. It's only like 11 guys um, because it was from 16 to 19, and they had to make certain criteria. But the moral of the story here is even when you expand that criteria out, you still see about a 10% um, reduction without taking into consideration DVOA and stuff like that. But it makes sense, right? Just logically, logically, it makes sense that you're coming off a hamstring injury. You maybe haven't been integrated fully into the game plan yet. Uh, you're maybe still struggling with a little bit of soreness, soreness or tightness. Maybe you got an injection to play through it. It just, there are a million different reasons why the first week back from a hamstring injury would be difficult for players to, to deal with. And when you look at Mike Evans and you look at his history, specifically speaking, you have to consider the fact that He's had a groin strain in 2014, a groin strain and a hamstring strain in 2015, obviously the hamstring last year in 2019, and now he's starting the week, he's starting the uh, the year with a hamstring injury. He's just a volatile player, right? I just talked about Miles Sanders and trying to lay out all of the potential uh, scenarios, the, the range of outcomes for every single player, and the bottom line is that even though 
it seems like Mike Evans is is getting better. These hamstring injuries are are fickle. They are you know difficult to manage. They're unpredictable at times. And if you come back too quickly, uh, as like Adam Thielen did in 2019, it's hard for players to really. It's hard to be confident in players. So what I'm saying, what I'm not saying, is that Mike Evans is a sit candidate. You have to go to FantasyPoints.com and check out the rankings there to know whether or not. Uh, the guy you should start him over any of the guys you have. But what I am saying is that his range of outcomes are wide. I would not use him in DFS cash games. Um, I would not use him honestly very much in GPP plays. If you have him, you probably use, you probably spent at least a second round pick on him. So it's really hard to say, sit him. But like I said, go to fantasy.com, check out those rankings. But when you look at all of the preponderance of evidence, when it comes to hamstring strains in the 13 days to recovery and the first game back production dip and the fact that Mike Evans is coming off of a 2019, a massive hamstring strain in 2019. I mean, I don't know how you have confidence in him. I'm not saying don't start him. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying his weight range of outcomes in, in week one are wide. The next guy that I want to talk about is Cortland Sutton. And that's because Cortland Sutton on Thursday had an AC sprain. He landed on a shoulder wrong. They took an MRI of it. And I thought that was interesting, by the way, because when you have an AC joint sprain, it's 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 called a shoulder separation. And your your AC joint really literally separates. And that you can see there's a little step-off deformity. Um, there's a step-off deformity. You can see the separation of the shoulder joint. So it was interesting to me that they wanted to see the full extent of the injury. I'm sure that's probably protocol, whatever, but it made me think it was labor for a while. It's not labor. So that's good. So generally, generally speaking, these injuries based on the literature take 10 to 28 days to heal completely. We're talking about a guy who is the de facto number one wide receiver in Denver who needs to be able to raise his arms up overhead, ward off defenders, potentially block, go up for jump balls, all these things. Um, that he needs to be able to do with full pain-free range of motion. And so the problem with that is he's not going to have full pain-free range of motion. The hallmark sign of an AC joint sprain is quite literally painful shoulder range motion. And that's a problem, obviously. So even if he gets an injection, right, even if he is playing through some pain, even if he's out there, I'll say the same thing that I say with for Mike Evans is how confident are you in him being able to do what he needs to do without pain, without issues, without any type of hesitation, apprehension? Um, is he going to be out there on a limited snap count? I mean, this is really, if if it was a low-grade sprain, it's really a matter of, of pain tolerance. And I don't know if Cortland Sutton at this point uh, how I don't know how severe his symptoms are. I don't know if he'll be able to play through it or not. But I do know that at this point, it's an extremely volatile situation. His range of outcomes are extremely wide, and his floor is quite literally zero. He might not play at all. We just don't know on Monday night. And considering that he's a late, he's part of that late game, it doesn't really make you very confident in using Cortland Sutton in any lineups, using him in, in uh, for example, like a cash game or anything like that. I wouldn't do it personally, but I, I, I'm not, again, not here to tell you what to do. I'm simply telling you that the range of outcomes on Cortland Sutton is extremely wide. All it takes is for him to come back, go up for a jump ball, land on the shoulder, and then it will definitely be at least another few weeks before we see Cortland Sutton again on a football field. So that hopefully that isn't the case, but 
We saw in 2019 James Conner coming back from the AC joint sprain. I think it was about two weeks or three weeks uh, after the injury happened. He got tackled, landed on it, and then he was out again a lot longer. So we we don't want that to happen with Cortland Sutton. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but that is in the cards. That is part of one of that is one of the range of out one of the outcomes that could happen for Sutton. So keep that in mind. Again, if you want to talk, if you want to read about all the dudes that I talked about, so Preston Williams, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jalen Rigor, Cortland Sutton, Tevin Coleman, DeAndre Swift. I talked about uh, soft tissue injuries. I talked about what's going on with soft tissue injuries. Kenny Galladay, Mike Williams, all these guys that I touched on um, at fantasypoints.com. Go to read my injury report there. Last guy that I wanted to talk about here was Kenny Galladay. There's not a lot to say about Kenny Galladay. He's doubtful for tomorrow, but it doesn't really scare me off from him the way that I'm scared off from Mike Evans in the sense that Kenny Galladay has only had one hamstring issue since his rookie year. It was anticipated, almost expected, because he was a rookie that year. We know that rookies tend to get these hamstring injuries. Moving forward, I think Kenny Galladay should be okay if they bring him back too soon that could be an issue there's always the issue that he's got the 23 percent chance of recurrence within the same season um but considering that he is uh doesn't have the history mike evans has and isn't struggling the way mike evans has struggled i'm more confident in kenny galladay that way so other than that uh, I did want to mention that Tevin Coleman might not play as he didn't practice on Friday because of the sickle cell trait. DeAndre Swift seems that uh, seems to have had a hip issue, and a hip issue um, actually could potentially be a groin issue that he had back in 2018. If you check out Ethan Turner, Dr. Ethan Turner, Dr. Physical Therapy, his rookie injury guide, you will see that there. In 2018, he had two groin strains. I wonder if that's a hip and lastly, in 2011, there was when the lockout happened and players couldn't get to the facilities, there was an increase. There was a peak, about 38% of soft tissue injuries. So not saying that's what's going on right now, but there's a potential. It might just be that the notable fantasy relevant players are who are who's getting injured. Um, and that might be what is uh, making us sort of a little biased to what's going on. But overall, uh, that might be the case considering these teams didn't have mini camps, didn't have OTAs, didn't have preseason. Um, that's just a potential reason that these players are having so many soft tissue injuries. So that's it for me. Nothing too entertaining today because um, the creative brain isn't on today. So I will let you go on that note. Make sure to catch me on the Fantasy Points podcast with Joe Dolan and Tom Broly, where we discuss in any injuries that might occur in week one, what to do on the waiver wire and how to manage it. And make sure you rate review and subscribe the podcast the injury prone fantasy football podcast make sure to follow me on twitter at fb injury doc i hope this information is helpful if you have any questions reach out to me and that's it for today